Alright, are we ranting? We're ranting. Okay. Well, welcome well, to... Well, here we are. <laughs> day after Cinco Dark de Mayo. Yeah. Um, so, recently the news came out, the, the Census Bureau released the reapportionment um, data in the sense of how many um, congressional districts each state is going to get. And everyone, including myself, was expecting Arizona to pick up another congressional seat. And we didn't. Um, California lost one for the first time in history, um, but we did not get one. And there's a lot of questions raised about that. So, you know, I'm sure somebody will do some digging around on how is that possible when everyone was expecting it. And I ran the numbers. It, it means that the nine districts, the average population of each district is going to be almost 800,000 people. And it's almost like running for county supervisor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just here just in Maricopa. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chukri talked about how he had more constituents in a congressional district, but that may change now. Yeah. Um, but I think that I believe the time has come. It's been since the 1930s that we've last increased the number of representatives in the House. There are 435. And when the Constitution was ratified, there were about 30,000 people per congressional district. Um, and I think if it's called the People's House, um, it needs to have more connection. I think 800,000 people, that many constituents, is just, it's not what the founders intended. I, it's, it's, you know, obviously Congress has changed dramatically. It's, you know, I don't think the founders ever envisioned career politicians. They figured people would go serve a few terms and go home. Um, so if we did uh, population based on the 1930s when they expanded to 435, and I'm not saying this is the right number, but it would be 1,300 members of Congress. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, yeah, my question back to you is like, where would we put them all? Well, we would have to set up cots in the uh, Cannon Rotunda. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. They don't deserve much more than that. Yeah. Um, well, everything's virtual now. I mean, you don't really need a staff, right? I mean, everyone, well, needs, everyone can they just work from their home. They clearly, I mean, I think they need some staff, but they clearly don't need as many staff as they have. No. Um, the average congressional office between the district staff and the D.C. staff is more than 20 people on average now. Um, and, you know, I think you could, and, and most of the offices are three-room suites uh, when they remodeled Cannon Office Building and built Longworth. Um, the, each office was an individual congressman. They could, you know, they could fit all the members of Congress in the Cannon Building and then the Longworth Building. Um, but then they had built the massive Rayburn Building, which is ugly. Um, so and they, a, they could have yeah, more maze. room. You know. Yeah. I still get lost in that building. It's, I was there for 14 years and Still can't get myself around there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just think that we need we need more members of Congress. Now people say, ah, how can you be a small government conservative and think that we need more members of Congress? Isn't that just growing government? Well, I think we can say if this is the budget, then let's not increase the budget 
to add more members of Congress. Let's just shrink, you know, their budgets. So right now it's called the member representational allowance. I don't know exactly what the number is. And it's based on the size of your district and that kind of thing. Because that, that's what pays for members of Congress to travel back and forth from their district sure. to D.C., pays for their staff, pays for, you know, subscriptions to newspapers, um, you know, rent for the district office, you know, all those things. Does, so, does, does congressional staff still read newspapers? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you, you go to the waiting rooms and they're laid out there for everybody to read. I don't think anybody don't know anyone touches them. them. Yeah. I think Except people waiting to see the member of Congress. I mean, you would actually then, you would need to build at least at least three more buildings to do to accommodate something. Like yeah, that, you could if not four. You could you could take the Ford building um, and repurpose it for members instead of just right now. I'm trying to remember who's in Ford right now. It's just the staff yeah. of different parts of Congress. Um, yeah, you definitely need to have more space, um, but I think the space could be smaller. They they wouldn't need as big offices as they have now if you cut them you know, cut their staffs down to four or five people. Yeah. Um, so it might be controversial, but I think that the more people that a congressman or congresswoman represents, the, the less in touch they are. And, you know, I guess I'd have to figure out what, I haven't done the math to say, okay, what would, 400,000 people per district look like. How many members of Congress is that? Sure. My, I mean, my take on that is, I mean, most likely it, it, you wouldn't go back to the original, you know, district change of 30,000 per district. Right. Um, most likely they would look at, you know, population trends, um, and maybe even just pick an arbitrary number and back everything into it, knowing how Congress works. Now, the cynic in me would say, you know, given, you know, the power fluctuations in Congress, you know, it would be a big fight to see where, where that reapportionment would lay. And you would have, the you know, the blue states fighting for, because they're the population bases, fighting for what, what, what they would be owed. Well, and then, and yeah, then the, it, it would be another fight between, I think, you know, the coastal states and the middle of the country in terms of what's fair. Well, I mean, it really would pretty much, I think, wash out at the same kind of along the same lines as where they are now. Um, because you're really so I ran the numbers. If we did 400,000 people per district, that would be roughly, and there's, you know, variations because. Um, there's some states that only have one representative, although this would automatically give, I don't know that, see, Wyoming only has 500 and some thousand people. So even if yeah. you did the, the 400, they'd still only have the at-large. Um, but Delaware might pick up one and Rhode Island might pick up one. Um, Montana just did pick up their second in this last reapportionment, but it would be 800, about 825 districts, um, or 825 members of Congress. So that's a little bit, you know, just under doubling. Yeah. Um, I think that's totally doable. Um, and I think it would make a lot more sense. I think that, that campaigns would become less expensive because it would be, there'd be more of them, you know, 
Um, there would, I mean, it would be fascinating to watch the rush of people running for these new seats. You know, because if if we did basically four hundred thousand, that means Arizona would have eighteen districts. Yeah, that would that would be an interesting uh, independent redistricting campaign. You'd yeah. have you couldn't just have five members on that thing. Well, I, I mean, I yeah. we'd have to change have to change the. I don't. I can't remember. I think redistricting might have been put in the Constitution, the, the commission. So, be a pretty big change. The question is whether leg, the, the Congress would do it. Um, and my sense is that most of them would not, because those that are in power would say, "Well, you're going to dilute my power by having more people," and um, you know, because they all have their little cliques and caucuses and that kind of thing. I mean, or, I mean, with, with, the, with the focus so much politically being on, you know, what's going on in California or New York or Illinois, the, again, the cynics would say, why would I want to give them more representation? Why would I want to give a California more of something that, you know, politically, you know, they're, they're, they're actually losing a little bit of power, losing one seat. It's not really... A, it's not going to make any difference. It's probably going to be a Republican seat because Democrats yeah. control the redistricting process. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a state. They don't have an independent commission in California. It's a state legislature, isn't it? I think they have a commission, but there's some kind of interaction with the legislature. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it would... I mean, Congress is just so freaking dysfunctional as it is. And maybe this would make it more dysfunctional because there's more. And I don't know. It... it I would be interested in feedback from people. That's, I guess, what. Yeah, I, th I again, I just think that um, it's. I think you're right that that people are entrenched with their their power structures, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat. You're you're enjoying, you know, what what, what you have. Um, and there are issues with that. I also agree that that you can't stay at four thirty five forever. So what does that look like moving forward? And it would have to it would have to really be an exercise in bipartisanship in the true no, no sense. question. Um, or else it's just it's not it it's not gonna float. And I, I think that's the fear, you know. I think how how do you get, you know, people together to, to, to expand something? I mean, Congress has a lower, you know, popularity approval rating than you know your local dog catcher. So no, yeah. So I mean, so how do you really make that that work? I don't think Congress's approval has been out of the teens since I worked there. Yeah, and 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 that's not you know indicative of any party. I mean, when, yeah, when, no, it, it's it's always it's, it's just it's just negative. It's, you know, it's and, and, and then when you ask people, what about your congressman? They think, oh, yeah. he's the greatest guy in the world, right. the greatest woman ever to walk the earth. But it's but if you ask them about Congress, right? They hate the, Congress, but they the, the, love their the Congress. Most dysfunctional person. thing yeah. ever. What do you think? Let's let's kind of you know change gears a little bit. What do you think this redistricting committee, which is made up of people we know, um, you know, at least on the R side, and then one independent and then two Democrats. Um, what do you think, I mean, their charge is going to be with this now? What do you think, uh, uh, I mean, we were all hoping like, okay, we maybe we'll get one or two seats. You can kind of carve up Tucson a little bit because that's, the, 
those two districts are a little dysfunctional. You've got District 1, which, which starts in Flagstaff, goes all the way through the Navajo Nation, down through Sholo and, and Pine Top, over to Globe. I mean, it's just well, it's and, great. And, and then it wraps, it wraps around, around. P- Pinal County and yeah. Cass Grant. It's the craziest district on the face of the planet. Nuts. Well, the, what's interesting is that, that you, you know, can't call that gerrymandering. I don't know what you call it, but it's, well, not, it's not that. It's something. It's something ugly. Um, I think, I mean, they went into it, everyone with the expectation that, okay, how are we going to reshuffle the deck to, to add a set, you know, the 10th district? Now that that's not happening, um, all the districts are going to get, you know, a little bit, well, some will change, but some will, for the most part, they'll get bigger. Yeah. Um, because the numbers were based on, I think, April 2020 was yeah. when they they finished. Um, and, I mean, you think about the growth that we've had as a result of COVID just since then, in the last year. Um you know, we've we've added a bunch more people. So yeah, that's been the criticism, right? That that hey, if you were to do this now, you know, Arizona for sure would get an extra seat. Yeah, because of the and and California might lose too. Right. So um, New York lost a seat. And oh yeah, this it, is funny. <laughs> New York loses a seat, and it's because they missed the the threshold of keeping that seat by 849 people, which is a fraction of the number of people who died of COVID in nursing homes because of Cuomo's policies. In March. Yeah. That's, um, that's unbelievable. So it's all Cuomo's fault for New York. They lost the seat because he screwed it up and put COVID-infected patients into nursing homes and you know yeah. killed off a bunch of people. Now, it's probably not political for California, correctly. they were going to lose one or two anyway. We knew that going in. Right. You know, because of the mass migration, not just to Arizona, but to Texas and Nevada and, and Tennessee Even Florida. and Florida, um, searching for greener pastures. And, and we're all hoping they keep their politics in California, right? You know, don't yeah, Californicate think, my Arizona. Right. And I think that if you, if you moved here from California as a result of being fed up with California, I think you're probably going to like it. Yeah. And, and they'll probably vote more Republican than Democrat. If you moved here because you're relocated for a job, that might be different. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not one who fears the politics of people who come here um, because most people who make a move to Arizona are coming here for reasons of escaping lousy policies in the states they're in or being attracted to what we're doing here in Arizona, which is a testament to, you know, our state leaders, yeah. the governor and, and the legislature. So yeah, that's redistricting. And, and so it'll be interesting to, to see how it plays out. Um, then there will be a lot less, uh, this what will, this will do is it will prevent a massive change in the legislature because if there was going to be a new district, you'd see a bunch of legislators jump in different and lines changing. But at this point, the only retirement we have um, 
announced as Ann Kirkpatrick yeah. in Tucson. So uh, that district will, you know, I don't know what the districts will look like, but there will only be nine of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't, if they can do something, like I said, with district one and, and make, you know, that more workable. Um, I, and I, I, I've never understood the rationale of how they've carved that out from the first place. And um, I don't know if you give more to Schweikert or you give more down to Ann's district or you just, I don't, I don't know, but um, that's a, it's a, it's a difficult district to run in. It's just, and it's a difficult district to manage. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't even think there's, I think there's only been really one congressman who's done it well and done it well. And he, if it wasn't for his personal failings, he probably could have had that, that job for a long time. That was Rick Renzi. He had, he had a district director in, in pretty much every major population center. And every, every weekend he would literally fly home, fly, fly to Phoenix, have somebody drive him to Flagstaff and then they would do the loop and then he would be home Sunday for Sunday dinner and then back. Yeah. Cause I, I would ask him about it. And, how do you do this? And people seem to respond well to you. He goes, that's my schedule. Yeah. I don't think anybody It was does brutal. That. It was brutal. I don't think Ann ever did that when she had the district. And certainly Tom, I don't think he's doing that. No. It's difficult. It's, um, it's a lot of ground cover. Unless you have a plane. But even then it'd be it's, real hard. It's a lot. Real hard. I, I drove those roads a lot in my former life. And um, beautiful country, amazing people. Uh, you know, a, a population that loves this country and, um, you know, both miners, loggers, you know, and then you've got, you've got the, you know, massive issues on the reservations that you have to deal with. And, and really everyone in that district just wants to be heard. They just want to be listened to. And if you go and meet with everyone, you have a good shot of winning. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So everyone's always like, oh, it's a Democratic district. And I'm like, well, not yes, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, it's definitely it its own. It's it's not, you can't really characterize it as a Democrat district. I mean, this is, you know, I grew up in Sholo. So there were lots of, lots and lots of Democrats when I was growing up there. But they were very conservative. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that district, I don't know what the results were from this last election, but in 2016... Trump won that district. Yeah. Um, so, eight hundred and twenty-five members of Congress. I think I like I like that. Eight hundred or eight thirty-five. I don't know. Maybe we just so so a joint session of Congress. You would have to maybe, you know, rent out RFK. Well, yeah. See, I didn't even think about the. I was just thinking about the office buildings, but you think about the Capitol and and that's a lot of people that, zipping it, around the Capitol. That. Uh, you couldn't fit them all in in the Capitol. No, you have to build a whole new whole new Capitol, which you could do. Yeah, I mean, there's enough space. Too, but, but why would you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Just just to have them come and vote. I mean, look, I think at some point they're gonna there's gonna be a move to vote electronically, you know, remotely. Yeah, there's got to be. And maybe maybe that's the solution. Maybe the problem is that they're spending too much time in Washington, that, that, and they have to be there to vote so they can vote, you know, by a secure network, whatever. 
I, I think mean, you, if we can, I think you're exactly right. If I can be in London, England, and swipe my credit card and instantaneously have it approved, there's certainly way. And, and you know, I mean, we've got the technology. We've sure. got, we figured this out. Um, you could put your voting card very well. I mean, have an apparatus. Let's say they want to keep some sort of semblance of uniformity. You could have something in your congressional office back in the district. And you've got TVs going, you've got yeah. C-SPAN, you've got everything else. And if someone's there giving a speech or somebody could be in their congressional office giving a speech. Right. And everyone sees it and, and, and they make their pitch and, the, you know, everyone's done vote, speaking and the, the vote is called. And you don't necessarily have to have that in D Washington, D.C. Right, right. But because of tradition, we, we do. Yeah. Some of the traditions are bad. Yeah. Well, it, it, you would have to move to something like this if you would expand it beyond where it's workable. Right. Right. You know, and well, then, but then you could have a, you could, you would have enough space in those offices to divvy it up to where, you know, you, you walk in one of those doors and that's it. That's, you have an office and there's everyone, there's some computers and, yeah, and what have you. Well, and it would, it would allow members to, to really meet their constituents and be at home. Yeah. And boy, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm now starting to think that there might be something here. Yeah. I think, I think you've hit on something, especially in the, in the era of post COVID. Yeah. Where we're, you know, so much of what I've characterized COVID is as the quickening. So areas of where in business or technology that have been sort of on the, on the edge of shifting, have had to shift quicker. I think, I think we touched on that with with, with uh, Mr. Shukri and and the restaurant industry. You know, where where restaurants were, you know, either despondent or or less able to change to a takeout model. Now that's that is the model. Now thirty percent. I think that was the number that he gave of, of sales are are in that model. You can't just walk away from it. You have to make it better. So in terms of constituent service and and voting and all the all the sort of arcane traditions of of Congress, you could you you could expand Congress to what you're talking about and make it a within a virtual setting, for, for like a hybrid setting, probably is what they would have to agree to. Yeah. But again, going back to the initial point, how are you gonna get a cross functioning, truly bipartisan Commission to um, make sure it's done correctly. And yeah. Right now, the 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 you know the elements in Washington are so are so divided and so confrontational that it'd be hard to do. Doesn't mean that they, they shouldn't do it or try. Right. Well, so I'm corrected. The last time when we expanded to 435, it was it was 1929. We've population has nearly tripled since then yeah it's pretty crazy so that's right there's that's, a that's uh, the great depression right yeah there. right the uh there's a, tw a twitter handle called uncap the house and uh links to a reddit page yeah so i'm gonna have to check that out yeah there's definitely some people who are 
Well, I mean, I think as we have members of Congress as part of this podcast, that could be a question that we ask. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think what, what's your I wish I would have thought of that when we had Congressman Schreiber. I, I think David's probably thought about it. I'm sure he has. I, I, the I bet he's thought about it all the way through the end. Yeah. So if we have him back on, we can ask him. Yeah. And if we have Ruben on soon, we can ask him. Yep. And Kirsten and whoever else wants to come on. Right. Well, we'll just we're, now we're just hoping that we don't, you know, you know, there's been this this thing called Prop 208, which I'm sure you've read about, that people are, are wondering whether it'll be overturned by the Arizona Supreme Court or whether the state legislature will actually reduce our taxes and people are waiting to see because there's a lot of business people who have threatened to move out of here. Yeah, yeah. So we could be in a world of hurt. That could be in damaging. In a very, very for short sure. period of time. Um, I think the legislature, my understanding is that that's going to get fixed, I hope. And Supreme yeah. Court still has to rule on it. Yeah, so, so everyone's waiting. It's the waiting game. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. So, well, we'd love feedback. So if any of our listeners, viewers want to ping us on this. Um, What's the solution? We, we can't seem to come to one. I don't know. So what, what makes sense? I think, so when I, I tweeted this last week, Somebody suggested 1300 and somebody, or maybe that was what the popular, the, the tripling. So yeah. um, somebody suggested 1000 I think somewhere in the eight to 900 range, because that keeps it under 500000 Eight to 900 Congress people on the public dole. Really thinking they're... Well, that's a, there's another thing. We would, we would probably need to reduce the salary. Now, that wouldn't be popular. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the salary is really commensurate with the job anyway. No, that's true. I mean, I, I, and I've said this in the past, and I say this about the legislature as well. I, I think if, we should double the salary, if, if, frankly. We, we'd get better people yeah, running. If we paid $500,000 a year to a congressman, then we'd have... We'd have the crowd. Yeah, we'd have really good people We'd have running. great people. Yeah. Um, because, I don't know. There's a lot of districts out there where you, you look at the congresspeople and you're like, really? What? No I don't world. know if I would have him or her answer yeah. my phone. And if we paid our legislators a couple hundred thousand, it totally changed the makeup. Completely. Totally changed the makeup. Okay, so Uncap the House. Uncap the House. At Uncap the House is the Twitter handle you should go check out. And then let's talk about raising the pay, reducing the staff. Yeah, I think you'd have um, to do that. That would be the, the trade-off. And virtualizing the offices. And virtualizing the offices. I think that that works. I like this. Yeah. This, we can this, agree on something. We can agree on something. <laughs> you were doubtful of it when we started. Well, I'm just a cynic on this. I mean, I'm a, I'm a stickler for tradition. Yeah. Some traditions yeah. need to go. That's, uh, and, and COVID has taught us that. Yeah, that's, right? that's for sure. So One quick aside. There's a great article in The Atlantic about how... There's a great article in The Atlantic? Yeah. It's about how liberals are damaging themselves as far as credibility because they're gripping so tightly to the, the early-day COVID rules. Oh. The idea that you're wearing a mask outside is, you know, makes any sense at all, which yeah. it doesn't. It never did. Um, and it, I don't know. I, I feel like there, there are people who set their – well – Two things. They they were told 
you need to wear a mask, you need to stay away from people, and stay inside to prevent the spread. And then whatever Trump was doing, they were going to do the opposite. So when yeah. Trump trash masked that, well, we need three masks. Yeah. You know, it's triple down on this. So it's been surprising to me that once Biden got elected, I thought that people would not be so... Pivot a yeah, bit. they'd pivot a little bit. And, but... You know, yeah, but but President Biden can't even can't even you know figure out where he should wear a mask or not wear a mask. <laughs> so he's pictured with with former President Carter and 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 Roseanne Carter the other. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they don't have masks on. And, and yet and, he'll and, walk into the a a you know socially distanced joint session of Congress yeah. for his address with his mask on. And they all had masks on. They all had masks on. It's like they've all been. They've all been inoculated. I thought it was. Yeah, they've all been have the vaccine. Vaccine, and I thought it was six feet. If you can't, if you're not masked. Yeah. I mean, this whole this six feet and a mask, and I mean, just is so absurd. Oh, CDC just also just released updated COVID numbers as far as that. Originally, there was six percent. They were reporting six percent of peop- of COVID deaths were COVID only. Yeah, it's now five percent. Oh, of course. The comorbidity went from three point something to four comorbidities mm-hmm. on average, which means that if you are healthy and not fat, you are very unlikely to have any serious issues with this. Yeah. Very, very unlikely. We're doing well, Robert. He's checking out. He's checking us out. Oh, good. Spot um, so, yeah, well, yeah, it, you know, they're still making kids wear masks on the playground, and that's that needs to stop. Absolutely. I mean, that's, just, that's just lunacy. Well, and yeah. as, a, as a father of a toddler, when we, when after she turned two and had to start wearing a mask on an airplane, oh, man, talk about miserable. Um, and no sense. 20, at 23 months, you're completely fine. At 24 months, all of a sudden, you're you know you're an infectious you're, disease. You're, you're a danger to America. <laughs> well, a two-year-old is a danger to America. And you just yeah. never know what it's going to get into. It's not, but not from COVID. No, so. not from COVID. Well, I mean, and and I mean, the other thing that in terms of masking and and immunizations and everything else that we aren't talking about, nobody's talking about. I, I just listened to a whole uh, podcast the other day on vaccinations and 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 what the you know, what the Biden administration wants to do. No one is talking about how you and me and our families, we had COVID. We have better T-cell immunity than anybody who gets a vaccine. Right. Okay. We, 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 you can go out and get the vaccine. That's fine. You take the risk of that. The majority of people I know, I would say 90%, who have gone out and gotten the vaccine after having COVID are sick for three, four days. They're down for the count. So what does that tell you? It tells you that, that, that your immune system is reacting violently to something and in, that it's already fought off. Yeah. And, um, but no one's talking about that. Well, because, no I mean, the whole vaccine question and debate has been... I think a little bit. And I'm pro-vax, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We had it all here at at Grand Canyon. It was a great thing. It was a triumph. I got my first shot. I I did Moderna, um, and I was sick the next day. You were sick the next day? Just for the day. Um, I have not 
gotten my second shot, even though the time has lapsed for that. Uh, I'm not lapsed, but I've had more than the time, the month that it takes between. Um, because with the complications with Alyssa and her pregnancy and being on bed rest, I can't, um, I, I, I don't want to get the second shot and then be down for a day or two. Yeah. When I've got the toddler I've got to deal with. So I'll just have to figure that out. They say you can wait up to six months for the second shot yeah. and still be fine. And other yeah. people have said the second shot really doesn't make any difference, especially if you've had COVID. Yeah. And maybe maybe the shot it doesn't really make it all that much difference well, at it, all if you've had COVID. And, and, and it seems to me, I mean, what, what you just pivoted to is exactly what we need better clarity on. We need better research. And that people have had COVID, you know, what is safe in terms of moving well, forward with the vaccine? And what's interesting because is that there's been a lot more complications with the Pfizer and Moderna vaccinations than there have with Johnson & Johnson, but it was the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that got paused yeah and then that just destroyed all kinds all kinds well the of johnson johnson vaccine i understand is is actually inert the inert um virus right so which is why it's one shot but it's, it's a more traditional vaccine yeah, right exactly. it's not the mrna um but they paused this because six people six women got blood clots and one died and then they put a pause on it when out of millions of people getting this. I mean, it's like, yeah, it was like 7 million. You're more likely, I, I mean, as little, as little chance as there is for you to die of COVID if you're healthy and not fat, um, you, it was, it was getting COVID was riskier than the vaccine. So the pausing of the vaccine made no sense to me. So basically what we're saying, you have two choices now in this day and age entering the summer, get vaccinated. If, if you haven't had COVID, Get COVID, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, if you, and take and and, and and if you have health issues and and you're obese, then get the get the vaccine for sure and lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. And if and if you've had COVID, you really um, I, you should be tested for uh, antibodies and and any other issues before you get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, my doctor said that I can wait. You know six, eight months. I still can't smell anything, which is good or bad. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> which means I think I still am like, you know, cranking on antibodies. But yeah. Well, I like, like I, you know, that I didn't lose taste or smell. I didn't get a fever. Um, yeah, you didn't get fevers either. Slight cough. I was just had a massive headache and was tired. Yeah. I've had worse flus. Yeah. Yeah. But we we're in pretty decent health. We yeah, I think. We're we're lucky. So we're lucky. And 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 the vaccines, I mean, to be clear, are a godsend. The the way they were developed as quickly as they were, um, at to have as many as the you know, many choices. Yeah. Um, as there are and certainly um uh Many of those choices can be can be made based on your 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 health and and your health makeup and consult your doctor. But it's a, it's an amazing um, it's an amazing thing. And now the World Health Organization wants to strip away um, pharma's uh, patents. The patents on it, which is crazy. So that so that you know 
some little pharma company in India or China can then take take those those patents and and and, and remake the right. vaccine. Yeah, which is so unsafe and so not appropriate. Well, it yeah, it's it's. I mean, there was money spent on the research to, in the development of this stuff, and you know, and that money that's had why been we have spent patents. for years. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the the mRNA process was started by DARPA. You know, that was actually came out of DARPA. Yeah, fifteen years ago. Yeah, um, and so then these guys spent the money to make it work, you know, against coronavirus. So that was, I mean, it, it is a godsend. I mean, yeah. it is a, a testament to human ingenuity and and what we can accomplish when, we, when we're facing a crisis. Yeah. Just need to be smarter about what's really, you know, again, I get the masks outside thing. It's just, it just drives me bonkers because you just can't get it. No. <laughs> walking past somebody unless they like literally sneeze in your face yeah. with less than two feet away or something. I don't know. Uh, Which is not going to be happening. No. All right. So expand the house. No masks outside. No masks outside. A thousand points of light. Get a vaccine if you want. I think that's it for today. Stay the course. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a good one. We're light beer, dark money. <laughs> dark money. Thank you. Thank you.